we come to the title of our message today. Yeah. Making the grieving God rejoice. Making the grieving God rejoice. Seems to be very negative. Seems to be... What's going on here? Uh, this is not a very beautiful picture of God, a grieving God. And how to make Him rejoice? Well, He is in heaven, the best place. He has the power, whatever He wants, He can do. He has the provision, everything. God does not get hungry. There are no storms, there are no... Satan is not there operating, He's free. But why would He be grieving? And uh, we are going to see from the scripture that you and I can have a role in making the grieving God rejoice. Oh, hallelujah. So our, our focus today is in Genesis chapter 7, 1 to 16. Now, oh, next one. Genesis 2, 6, 2 and for that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of which they chose. And there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. I entitled this first part of our meditation today, What the Sons of God Saw. And... Uh, is a picture of humanity. And uh, I am so glad that, next night, oh, please go back, sorry. Chuck Smith said, when the sons of God, they are most from the descendants of Seth. They were the ones that the line of redemption would come. Because even before the God created the heaven and the earth, God already knew he'd create men, and other men he would sin, and all that will soon will come into this earth. And Cain killed Abel. <coughs> and so there's Cain bringing descendants who are ungodly, and he was cursed, the land was cursed for him, and on and on it multiplied. Then Seth was born. And now he'll be the line that God's the Messiah will be coming from. And they are called the sons of God. But then, not all of them were righteous. They saw the daughters of men that they were fair. And they just, you know, they took them, wives of which they chose. Not that each one just chose a wife, but as many as they could. And then, there were giants in, in those days. All these years, I connected the giants with the setting here. But just that they were giants, as in the case of uh, David, Goliath, and uh, reading through archaeology, that they had found a skull of a person that was even bigger than a person. The archaeologists had brought it out, the skull bigger than him. Now you could just see that the size of the skull, how big the person was. There were giants. And then the sons of God, 
came unto the daughters of men. From the lineage of Seth, they intermarried with this of the children of Cain. And yes, they were mighty men, intelligent, witty, skillful. But doesn't mean that they were blessed by God. They became powerful. They became, you know, the communities were built and they were leaders. And they were also men of renown. Next. So illustration. David. He had already two wives then. Then he went to the upper place of where he was like, in a, like a palace. They were not really very beautiful palaces then in the time of David. And he went up for his meditation. But when he looked down, he saw Bathsheba. And she was very fair. And he committed not only adultery, but he committed murder. And the next, Solomon, in Nehemiah 13, 26. He was attracted to many women. What is the scripture? He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And yet, he was supposed to be blessed by God, given wisdom. And he is the foolishness of the wisest man that ever lived. These women were not only pretty, but they were daughters, princesses of told that they were daughters of the different kings that were associated with Solomon. And they were like gifts given to him. And with each princess, there were some who would be serving like maids, and they became her, his concubines. But the thing was, they dragged him to idolatry. And it's really, that's why, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers is the teaching from God's word. So our summary is in 1 John 2.16. We are to be very careful uh, how we relate. In 1 John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world sees, especially men. Look at the ladies, how they look, their hair, their clothes, or the shape, and the women would see the man, he, he's hard worker, he can, he can support the family and support whatever she wants, whatever. But the Christian looks for somebody who would be a life partner in the Lord, that they can share and fellowship together and worship God together. So the world looks the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But that should not be our standards. As we're looking for, if you're still single, looking for a life partner. Next, man. The opposite is what God saw. Quite long, but we'll read that. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy men whom I have created from the face of the earth, and men and beasts and creeping things and the fowls of the air. For it repented me that I had made them. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all the flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Two weeks ago, when most of you were here, and we talked about the starting of Noah, when God repented, he didn't mean he regretted what he did, but he repented. He was unhappy to know the destiny of the sinners. 
the wages of sin is death. And so, the original Hebrew for that word was saying, he was unhappy. Looking what will happen to that person. What is the destiny for that person? He did not regret. God knew. He was in control. But again, the wages of sin is death. He started even in heaven. But he created all the angels. And then Lucifer wanted to stay as a kudita. God knew all, all along. This will happen. But then he'll make it happen. I don't know what God's trying to say. Maybe wake us up. <laughs> I don't know. But what God saw was the corruptness. Even the intentions of the heart of men. The wickedness in the mind. Maybe a person will be thought, oh, he's very smart. He's very good. How sure are we? But God cannot be fooled. And that I thought I had fooled everybody. Son of a pastor, growing in a Bible school, some three years old, reading Bible every day, praying every day. And I remember at four years old, I received my first answers to prayer. I saw in the Sears catalog in 1948, 49, from the missionaries. I was living just in a building where the missionaries were living. And so they were throwing this catalog of the Sears, and I saw there a train. So he said, Mama, I went to my mother, I like this train. And he said, she said, just pray. And so from that day on, I was praying and praying and praying. And one day, big box arrived from the United States. Christmas, when it opened, it was a train. And I held that train until I graduated from Bible school. The, the trucks were gone, the cars were gone, but I had the engine that could run by winding. God, this is a proof you answer prayer. And that carried me through my life. Really, but there was that greed, naughtiness in me. <clears throat> and one time, one of the students said, Ernan, you think he's an angel. There's a devil thing in his mind, too. Why? When the Bible, in the Bible school, when the, ring, the bell rings after lunchtime, it's silent hour. Nobody's supposed to make noise. Everybody's supposed to take a nap or read. While my parents are sleeping, my sisters are sleeping, my brothers, I climb out the window and I play uh, with the marbles underneath the house. And of course, my neighbors saw it, and there were but students there. Oh, that Ernan, he's disobedient. He's, he's uh, you know, he's creepy. What's out for him? Now, that's what they saw. But God sees more that I was not a child of God. Next time. And go on. David goes and brought out. Jesus said, as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, the conditions of the world before the coming of Jesus will be like the conditions of the world before the flesh. Exploding population. They were just exploding. They were very, very prolific and getting their wives. Sexual perversion. And uh, again, as days go on, 
it just shows in population. There are always more women than men. And so many women could not have husbands. Also, they just made themselves available. And the men were also very greedy. And demonic activity and constant evil in the heart of men and widespread corruption and violence. This is what God saw. And even until today, we might have high positions or even become a pastor. Pastors are not accepted from the attacks of the enemy. And you have, we have heard of pastors, television evangelists fallen from grace. Why? Just very obvious, they committed adultery. But many still walk in sin. It doesn't mean pastors do not sin, but they can confess before God and be changed. They are delivered, and they stop going on. But this is what God saw. Next, now. And then what is God's action? He cannot just allow it to happen. Go on. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We brought out last time, two weeks ago, that Noah came from a perfect generation, from the time of Enoch, who never died, but went up to be, he walked with God, and walked with God into heaven. Hallelujah. And then his children and overlapping child, grandchildren, and so on, touching lives, and even Methuselah. He lived until very close to the time of Noah for 969 years. And it says Noah found grace. Meaning to say that even the, from the time of Enoch, very, very godly, but they were exposed to the world. And their grandchildren and children, even to Lamech, father of Noah, they were included in the flood. Lamech died only 15 years before the flood. But the rest of their descendants, even from Enoch, they were included in the flood. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What is the basis of grace? When there is faith in a person in God, because everybody can sin. But then when we confess our sins to God and trust in Him, and God extended grace to Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And his family. And that was proven in the building of the ark. Okay. His godly heritage comes from Enoch, the great-grandfather who did not die because God took him in. Methuselah. And he listens to instructions of God in the building of the ark. That tells you the quality of Noah. He could hear the still small voice of God. God is not only speaking to one person. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showed his handiwork. Day unto day uttered speech, and night unto night showed knowledge. There is no people nor language where his voice is not heard. Everybody, but not everybody listens. But here is Noah who can follow instructions to build the ark. And he completed what God him to do when he was 600 years old. From 500, many calculate, when he had his children, then at 600 years old, he finally finished the building of the ark. Now, 
talk about Noah. Next slide. He said, the Lord said, I will, my spirit shall not always strive with men, for that also is flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. We live for a while, Noah. And God is saying, 120 years. It's not the lifespan of mankind. Before, I was thinking, that's the maximum that man can live, 120 years old. And then he will die. And I, my mother's grand aunt, when I was there in Iluilo, was told, I would see her cooking. She would go herself to the market and buy the vegetables and fish. And she was already 112 years old, no gas stove, and she was chopping, if you will. 112 years old. I said, man, maybe this is it. You live at 120 years old. No. God was telling them, you got 120 years and then life will end. They didn't understand. But the word had already been spread through the godly people from the line of Enoch and Lamech and on who heard the voice of God and was spreading the word around. God is saying, after 120 years when it was said, that's the lifespan and everybody will perish. There will be mass destruction. Go on now. And then make the an ark of gopher wood. And uh, room should be done making the ark and pitch it within and without with pitch. Now, Chuck Smith was giving all details on the size of this. And the Bible scholars were saying, it was not the appearance like a ship. Because they were not going anywhere. They had no destination where to go. And what is the definition of an ark? It's a box. Rectangular. Not that way. Just a box. Like the Ark of the Covenant. It's not that way. It's a box. Even Noah, no, Moses put with bulrushes, it was just like a box from the weeds put together. And what is pits? I found out. It's asphalt. They had to dig and get, and that was sealing to make it waterproof. And it's Amazing, the size of this. And my calculation is about one football field and a half. That's the size of the ark. And three stories high. So big. Now, think, could Moses do that alone? Obviously not. And I was also, in my previous readings, that the gopher wood was mountains away. They had no trucks, no logging trucks. They had no electric saws to uh, cut down the trees. But my mind came to the point that, like going to Labasan, the place of my wife, I heard the word inakat. Maybe some of you have heard the word inakat. They fell down the tree. And without putting it to the sawmill to make it a certain uh, inches wide and so on, all they did was pound it and crack it. Why? The grain of the tree was just straight. They can separate. And they make houses without going to a sawmill. In a cup. They split it. Maybe that's the 
characteristic of the government. With the size of the area to be made and the height to be made. Where did he get all the lumber? No, he did not do everything of that. So he had to hire people. And they were laughing at him. What are you making? I'm making an art. What is that? You're making a apartment housing? Because there are many rooms that will be there. Where are we going to rent? They don't need to rent. They have all the forest, the trees, and they can build up. What are you making? And they were laughing and oh, there will be a flood. What are you talking about the flood? It never rained. It had never rained. In Genesis, it talks about when God created Adam and Eve, and they were there in the garden, it was just a mist at night that watered the trees, like in Davao. In the three years you were there with my wife, a pastor, or 10 years all in all. Almost every night, about 90%, there'll be short rain, but mostly in Mount Apo, it will be wet. People did not have to water the plants. The ground was always wet. Always wet. Very nice, beautiful. Very seldom we had strong storms or typhoons. Very seldom. Maybe once or twice, twice, five years. But it was always wet. Always wet. And when we were on the radio station, I wanted to make a fish pan. I only barely dug in two feet. Oh, there's water. Many fishmen, and I didn't have put, put water. The water was about one and a half feet deep. Why? The ground just filled with water. And out the registration, there was just streams there, water. But then one engineer said, let's test. Put in 40 feet of a pipe down the ground. And 24 hours, seven, water was just flowing, no stop, and very cold. Now, people say, flood, you're talking about the flood. And the shipbuilding was there like in a little plateau, up high. Where would the water come? How flood? What are you talking about? They did not understand because never was there a flood and never a rain. And all these years, about 100 years, there is Noah, a laughing stock. Spending a lot, getting laborers, working to build up and gather the lumber. About a hundred years. And maybe at the end of that time, he was already bankrupt. Nothing left. Think about what God sometimes will tell us to do. He will almost drain your resources. Become you become a laughing stuff. What are you doing? That's nothing. You go, you go out a missionary, what will you gain? There's nothing. After all these years, you get retired, you have not saved anything. But the Alliance have provision for all missionaries retired. They're put in housing homes. Aside from what they get from the government, they're being provided. God took care of them, many of them. They have nothing to pass on to their next generation. And here's Noah. Obeying God, I'll go bankrupt. But an immense project, but God's voice was in him. 
Ladies and gentlemen, brethren, we have to listen to God, what He will tell us, especially this time, just right after this election. What's the next thing? What's going to happen next? What's God's plan? We have to trust in Him. God knows what He's doing. And He talks about, He talking the train. Man, it's immense. But Noah knew the voice of God. Next man. As I mentioned, they, they, there was no sheep. They have not seen any rain. But there was mist upon the earth and watered the whole face of the earth. There had never been a flood. Next man. I'm sorry, I'm going I went ahead about the ark and the gopher wood. Okay, next man. He became a laughing stock, all about his 100 years working. And now in Genesis 7 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, in the 70th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. What do you picture here now? Rain. Ooh, where's this water coming from? Falling and falling, and then the waters are rising. Not knowing that, not only water coming from the rain, but God from beneath to bring up the waters. As I mentioned some time ago, what fascinates me and to think, and all the waterfalls from the mountain, where's the water coming from? Keeps on coming down. Niagara Falls, keep on flowing, immense. How many gallons per day? Where did it come from? Non-stop. Will it drain the source? No, it keeps on flowing. It keeps on flowing. God has his way. And I don't understand, but it's very amazing. And the windows of heaven were opened. God can do amazing things. And the purpose of their God was just to wipe out everything on earth, on the surface of the earth that was breathing. Of course, this does not affect the fish. But the pulse of the air and all animals, they all died, especially humanity next now. So I little, did a little computation here. Here's Noah, 600 years old, and the announcement about 120 years. So about, he was about 480 years old and told about the flood. And now in Genesis 7, 4, for yet seven days I will cause it to rain upon the earth, forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will destroy from off the face of the earth. And now the world will say, what kind of a God is he? What kind of a God is he? This is nothing compared that the fire will come from heaven and this earth will melt with fervent heat. And every unbeliever will be judged. Every unbeliever will be judged. And everything will be faced. Not only on the surface of the earth, but even underneath. All that is underneath. This, everything will die. But by the time, the believers are already taken up with the Lord. Next now. And so now we come to Genesis 17, 13 to 16. In the seventh day entered Noah and Shem, and Ham, and Japheth, and the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them, into the ark. And 
they and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, every bird of sort, of every sort, and they went in unto Noah unto the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life, and they that went in, and went in male and female of all flesh, and as God commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. The last four words in this projection here on the wall. The Lord shut in him. Was the one that woke me up. I was 10 years old. And I wanted, I attended a Sunday night evangelistic meeting. There was an American evangelist. And he was preaching, so I know the story. I've heard that. Many times already. Noah, Noah. But then when he said, and the Lord shut the door. What picture do you see here? The rain is falling. The water is coming up. Up, up, nonstop. And those below started to go up the hills. Up, up, up. But not stop, the water is still coming up. And just about there by the ark, the water is coming. They had witnessed. The animals come in to the ark. The family of Noah was inside. Oh, they, they started wondering, what's going on here? What's going on here? And to their amazement, the door was shut. Now when the door was shut, they were shocked. The water was coming up, up, up. Picture mothers with babies. Now, please, please, open. Please, 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 open. Young ones, they could try to swim. But then they would just got tired. They couldn't keep on swimming. And now, when there was already enough water, the buoyancy of the ark was already going up, 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 and the people were dying. But this Noah and his family did not see the suffering that the people were going through. They were drowning, drowning and drowning. And all the livestock of their wealth that they through the years built up, all gone. All of the houses that they had built up, all architecture, they were all gone. Their family dying in their very, very presence, or maybe in their arms. What kind of a God? Does he enjoy seeing all these people drowning? All these people dying? All their efforts in vain, and yet God had said, in 120 years, it would be the end for this world. To us today, we do not know when that will happen. Maybe we're already in. You're already aware that they're already implanting something, the chips in the person. And many very excited, very convenient. They don't need to carry a debit card or a credit card. 
They just go to the store and get. As they go out, it just clicks. Money is put in the bank from work. Directed. They don't see the checks anymore. It's deposited right away. And they go to scan. They know what's their balance. We are coming there. And the mark of the beast is being implanted slowly but surely. Wondering if this time the mark of the beast would be implanted more graphically and forced upon everybody, and especially the Christians. And we better say no. Never mind if we cannot buy and sell. We'll be deprived of so many things. But be thou faithful unto death, Jesus said, and I will give you the crown of life. Not the convenience of this world. Here everything was lost. But Noah and his family. And the animals that God brought in, nobody did not have to gather them, but the power of God could bring them in by pairs. And the clean animals, seven pairs. Wow. And this gripped me. The question was, have you come in on time when the door is shut? No more. One is when you and I die, and that's it. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after that the judgment. If everything I feared was death. Knowing that there's hell, and every sinner will go to hell. And as kids, Elementary and high school, there was a place in the Bible school where we could play with the American kids. We could play soccer. At times when there's a death in the community, there will be a funeral procession coming on the street, just there close to where we're playing. And the bell in the church is ringing, tang, 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 tang. And there's a sacristan leading the procession. As soon as they're right there in front of us, everybody's supposed to be at attention. Nobody can play. And that procession goes by. Sometimes the coffins are of adults, and sometimes the coffins are small. I said, God, when I die, I don't want to go to hell. We are going to surely die. We don't know when. And if there's anything I fear, going down, and there's a Rushing in the bushes, is there an animal here going to kill me or whatever? I always fear that. And sometimes when I wake up in the morning, oh, another day. Oh, God, another day. I fear death. If there's anything I fear, it is death. Why? When I die, that door will be closed. And God knows whether I'm with him or out of him. And I knew in my heart, I did not have him. And I was not in him. So going home after that message, I maybe told you this and I'll bring it in again. Time to sleep. And my mom came to me across the room. I hear you sounding, boy, I'm afraid to die. Then she felt my cheeks. You're not even warm. You have no fever. 
No, ma'am. Tonight, the message. I'm afraid to die because I'm a sinner. Come on, let's kneel. Your only hope is Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Yes, my mom brought me to life and brought me into eternal life. Kneeling there by the bed, she helped me receive Christ from then on. Ten years old and on. I did not fear death. God, death just come, I'm home. But once I'm alive, I'll be glad to serve you. But I have now the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. I am not afraid to die. Noah and the family did not have to fear drowning. They were inside the ark. And Jesus is that ark for us today. All we have to do, give our heart to him. Believe in our heart according to Romans 10.9. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Hallelujah. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to buy. I don't have to singly behave myself. I only accept Jesus Christ as my Lord, my God, my King, my Savior. From then, my life had changed. Next night. And it came to pass after seven days, the waters of the flood were upon the earth, and it was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And it took seven days for all to get into the ark. Seven days. The animals to come in. Not for the family of Noah. But they're not. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Hallelujah. And to the rooms, they didn't have to be directed. The Holy Spirit just guided them. And as the rain started to fall, the people had to go up to higher, higher ground, to about the level keep on rising. And that was shut. The level kept rising still. The people started to cry, to plead in the ark. And Noah could not open the door because God was the one who shut it. Brethren, for you, for your clan, your family, God will shut the door. God will shut the door. Open next. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered 15 cubits upward. The waters prevailed, and the mountains were all covered. Think of it. Even the highest mountain, it was underwater. Think of the highest mountain, whatever. The water is above that. Where did all the water come from? It's not only a certain place, because water will cover, will seek its own level. Up, 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 nowhere. And the waters prevail upon the earth 150 days. A person cannot survive. He may be holding onto a log to keep from drowning. Under 150 days, he's dead. No food, shivering in the water. 150 days. And the water is moving around. And there are some sharks there, of course. 150 days, every human being and other animals in the water all died. 100%. The wages of sin is death. Next night. And someone come to conclusions. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now, 
I want you to think along with me. This thought-provoking question that came to me. Did God rejoice that he finally eliminated the sinners from the earth and raised a godly family instead? Is that will make God rejoice? In Luke 15, 10, likewise I say, I'm saying to you, there is a joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. Oh, this is an eye-opener. The Lord just flashed that verse upon me. I was preparing this sermon for two weeks. I got, I had two weeks because Pastor Jesse preached last Sunday. So I had two weeks to prepare this sermon. God brought this verse to me. Likewise, I say unto you, there's joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents. Does it say that the angels of God rejoice? No, God is the one rejoicing, and he makes all the angels rejoice with him over one sinner. Over one sinner. And say, that's me. Senor, that's me. Did God rejoice that the whole family was saved from the flood because generations from Enoch repented or returned to God daily? And the scripture says, perfect generation. But from Enoch, as the word was passed on, from all of them, all the descendants from Enoch, where were they? But Jonah believed in God. And God had mercy on him. God gave him grace. We cannot be confident just because we have a, a ancestor who really believe in God that I'm automatically a child of God. No, it's a very individual matter. But God rejoices. There is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. God, I repented. Thank you. That that moment I received as my Lord and Savior, the all angelic hosts were notified. Made to know. By the way, angels are not all knowing. They have to be told. Only God is all knowing. And what a great announcement to all the millions of angels. There is one sinner that trusts in me. There's another sinner. That, there's another sinner. What is that telling you and me? Why don't I lead a sinner to Christ? That there'll be rejoicing in heaven. At least if you're born again, make our Savior happy that he did not die in vain. Because you and I have brought the soul to Christ. Huh? Did God alone rejoice that Noah and his family were saved? No. Look, it did said, tell us that there is joy in the presence of angels of God. I believe God announces the good news of another repentant sinner to the angel for them all to rejoice. So what can we do? God is grieved. We are warned in New Testament, grieve not the Holy Spirit. When he's ignored, when we turn our back on him, or when we just go our own way, we are grieving God. And he's grieved when sinners do not repent. And especially if he's not given the gospel. He dies in ignorance. And not hurt. What can I do? You and I can make 
the bells of heaven ring. Rejoice. Everybody in the angelic heart rejoice. And the believers that have died and arose together with all saints rejoicing over another sinner who repents. You can have a great role in bringing that to pass. Heavenly Father, I have shared what you have laid upon my heart. Thank you, Lord. You have a purpose for this message today in the climate that we're living on now, especially in the United States. Have mercy on us. Help us to do our share, to pray for the country, but to pray for ourselves that we'll be a witness to those under our responsibility, our co-workers, our family, our relatives, our neighbors, oh God, help us to become a blessing. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.